0: Welcome to Is It My ADHD, the podcast about what it really feels like to have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. I'm Grace Timothy, and I'm a writer, and I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until I was 37. I'd struggled with traits I now know to be ADHD all my life, but it wasn't until a routine hearing appointment with a doctor who happened to have ADHD himself that these traits were pieced together, and it was suggested that I get referred for an assessment. Had it not been for that random moment with an audiologist, I'd still be undiagnosed now and still struggling, just like the two million women thought to have undiagnosed ADHD in the UK today. I want to better understand what ADHD feels like for women and non-binary people, in whom ADHD is so often missed, thanks to the fact that the diagnostic criteria and research is all heavily skewed to the white male case study. I've therefore spoken to some incredible women about how ADHD affects their lives. Exploring everything from friendship and work to dating and self-esteem. I've also pulled in some experts along the way to help us tackle the big questions from you and from my guests. Is it my ADHD when I ghost old friends, for example? Is it my ADHD when I break the photocopier at work? And is it my ADHD when I share nudes on Instagram? My hope is that we can spread awareness of ADHD in women and non-binary people and that you'll find some comfort in knowing you're far from being alone. Because with the right support, we can be truly amazing. Now, back in series one, I had a really interesting conversation with Dr. Pragya Agarwal about parenting with ADHD. I've received more messages about that episode than any other. And I know it's something that for many of us is proving to be the most challenging aspect of the ADHD experience. It also became clear how many of you not only have ADHD yourselves, but are parenting a child or children with ADHD. Often that's the way that adults receive their diagnosis. Actually, you can refer back to our episode with Caroline Hirons on this front exactly. So I wanted to delve into one woman's experience of parenting a child with ADHD. My guest today is Kate Moriusef. She is an EFT and lifestyle coach and host of the ADHD Women's Wellbeing podcast. She and her then nine-year-old child were diagnosed within weeks of each other in 2020. Hi, Kate. Welcome. Hi, Grace. Thank you. Lovely to be here. So lovely to have you here. So you actually didn't come to an ADHD diagnosis yourself until after your child had been diagnosed, is that right?
1: Yeah, but... It was kind of like sort of, I sort of toyed with the idea for myself for a number of years, but never really thought it was a real thing. It was almost like a bit of a joke because I've known ADHD all my life. My two brothers have got it. They were diagnosed as kids. And so ADHD has just been part of my life, but I only recognized it in in boys. And so it was over lockdown and, and I got my daughter diagnosed and it was just from homeschooling and seeing her. And there was things sort of pointing before, lockdown and then after I started reading the um, criteria of what it looks like in girls it started really kind of being like okay this is maybe not a joke and maybe this is actually a real thing but it was also because I was experiencing more mental health challenges as I was getting older as I was had more kids and the weight of, of the world was was sort of wearing heavier i would say weighing heavier and and that's when i could really feel
0: um quite you know strongly the adhd and um, for myself as well and so you're in lockdown <laughs> like many of us who came to a diagnosis how did you sort of seek that for the two of you yeah i mean it's interesting
1: because for her she's actually i don't it sounds ridiculous i've got four kids and she's actually the one that um I think she quite quite the easiest. But when I was trying to homeschool her, she couldn't sit on a chair. She was having meltdowns. It was like taking her out of her sort of routine of school was just it was like she was like a caged animal. She also had a a fear of reading out in class. She was very quiet, didn't want to sort of in any way trouble anyone which reminded me of myself. That's when I thought, you know what, I think this is ADHD. And I saw lots of traits in her, that was myself as a child. And that's when, you know, we, we got her the diagnosis. And then thankfully at that time, I managed to um, get in with a psychiatrist and we did the full diagnosis over two and a half hours. But what came up for me was a lot more of the sort of the mental health side, but also all the challenges academically that I'd experienced. Overwhelm, anything, being able to sort of retain information. There was so much, the, all the things that I hadn't managed to to put together. I just thought there was just lots of things I was shit at. And my husband used to pick up the pieces around me. So I was sort of managing to to do all the things I was good at really well but all the things I couldn't do it was like he'd come in and kind of like take that from me but it was getting to a point at the age of 40 I was like I'm not a kid anymore I'm not a child anymore and I don't want to sort of be um, be in this position where my husband is sort of like um, infantilizing me a little bit and that's when I started realizing I needed to to get some help and support and and recognize but also I I as a mum, I had changed careers. I'd had a career break. My confidence was right rock bottom. All I thought I could do was just be a mum. And I thought, is this? I wanted to be fulfilled. I wanted to, you know, I, I knew there was potential there. And this is a very common theme I hear in a lot of ADHD women is not feeling fulfilled or wanting to fulfill their potential, but not knowing how. And that was very taxing on my soul, I would say, and my uh, mental health. That I couldn't quite get to where I wanted to get to, and and I was doing the parenting relatively well, but there was other things that were calling to me, and um, I was desperate to, to 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 go there, but the ADHD or the undiagnosed ADHD was preventing me. It was like a roadblock, and so when I got the diagnosis, that roadblock was um, was sort of uncovered. I recognised what was going on, and that's. Um, That's been the the biggest change in my whole life. I would say it was a new chapter for me.
0: And sort of before you were diagnosed, would you identify any of the kind of additional challenges that you faced as a parent, do you think? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's just like the simple things of I couldn't organize my kids' drawers, you know, like, Oh, was just like, all the drawers were just a mess, and the washing for me was just really hard. And thankfully, I've sort of talked about this a lot, but my husband seems to enjoy doing washing. I don't know how, but I I felt bad about that. I was like, "What kind of wife, mother am I that my husband's doing the washing? and I'm a stay at home mum." This was, you know, for a period of time, um, a massive, you know, place of shame for me. Was you know, thankfully, financially we could afford um, a cleaner. Um, But I relied heavily on my cleaner to help me organise drawers and cupboards. So I would say, so don't worry about cleaning the bathroom today. I'll do that. But could you just help me organise the kitchen cupboards? You know, and that was like, this is really shameful that I couldn't keep my kitchen cupboards tidy. But now I look at it and I just think, I can't believe the amount of energy that it took to worry about something like that. There was lots of things like keeping on top of homework for them. And, you know, remember, I've got four kids and I was thinking, what have I done? You know, I'm a, I'm a terrible mother because I'm not, ju- the balls are, are, are regularly falling. They didn't notice that. And, and again, thankfully, I had a husband that was really good at being organised. But I felt shame and embarrassment that I relied heavily on my husband, even though like, hello, we're 22. 20- you know, 2020, 2022, of course, it's a partnership, you know, like, we're both having kids, we both agreed on four kids, Um, but because I was a stay-at-home mum at the time, I just thought, well, I should be doing all of this. His job is bringing money in, and my job is organizing absolutely everything I now realize that that's
0: not true and I realize that the more we talk about this and normalize it and but it's funny isn't it and interesting I mean they're slightly off topic obviously because we both have ADHD but there is this also an idea of the gender norms playing into our sense of self as people with adhd you know and i can't speak for being non-binary or being a man with adhd but i definitely i i think part of the shame of not being able to fulfill certain tasks is absolutely about how gendered the role as a parent will be for us um and that's in a partnership you know again i can't speak for the experience of, of single parenting either but i mean it is it's just another layer of shame and kind of stigma isn't it i think
1: yeah a hundred percent and it is you know like you kind of think what where are we still in this sort of very tight social conditioning of women but i think it's a massive part of of the experience of being a woman with adhd and again i'm the same i can't sort of speak for for other sort of um you know areas but for me as a, a straight woman in a relationship with with children i Just know that this social conditioning is very deeply rooted. It can be highly toxic. And, you know, I've got three daughters myself and I'm trying to to, to change things a little bit and trying to show them that um, you know their father can do all the things that women are expected and, and that's okay and, and at the same time you know they see me working and they see me saying I'm shutting my office door please do not interrupt me because I'm, I'm on a meeting uh, and it's important for them to see you know both sides of, of the coin because who knows what's going to happen in 20 years time but all I know is is that we have a lot of laughter about you know my husband and and the washing and my husband you know how he likes to to do the dishwasher and I'm like do it I don't care about the dishwasher and the washing machine do it and, and I don't care how he folds the washing um because I'm so grateful that he's doing it <laughs> So I'm just yeah. so bloody delighted that I, it's not me having to do it all the time so it, it's a hard one and every family have got you know their different you know things going on but um you know for me juggling the house alongside my own ADHD was, was always a bit of a struggle I have to say
0: And let's talk, I mean, we don't want to obviously delve too deeply into your daughter's story. That's hers to tell. But in terms of some of the behaviours that you witness and have to support your child through when they have ADHD, what are the kind of intersections of your ADHD and her ADHD? And how can that sometimes manifest in difficult sort of challenging situations?
1: Do you know what's an interesting one? You've caught me on on a, on a week where I've got a, a lot to tell you, but you see, I've got one officially diagnosed, but my youngest, I believe, has definitely got ADHD. And I see it more probably showing up in a very different way. And and as we know, so many of us, it, it shows up so differently, which is why it's so hard to diagnose. Um, and again, because I see so many different women through my work, you know, I can't say that each client of mine has 100% got ADHD, but it shows up so differently that it's like you're trying hard to kind of keep up with all the the traits and the and the symptoms. But my daughter actually has the official diagnosis. It shows up in the most kind of common traits, where it just she just finds it quite difficult to sit and concentrate and organise and her executive functioning, her emotional regulation is is much easier for her which thank goodness you know for her I'm, I'm delighted but my younger daughter her emotional regulation is is the big thing for her with her ADHD and that's the most challenging part for me because I'd say that's how it shows up, uh, up for me as well so I notice her anxious traits I notice her um the way she sort of it's like zero to 60 you know her temper and and, and things like that and and it's highly triggering and it's very worrying and it kind of fuels my anxiety and worry because here I am trying to sort of manage my own you know, mental health and emotional challenges. And I see it showing up for her. So I'm trying really hard to navigate it for myself, but also kind of empower her with tools um, that I know I didn't have. ADHD is so intersectional in so many different ways. And, and that is why it's so important to get that support and help and in the, in the diagnosis, because it has such a big impact on on families and it has a big impact on parenting and relationships and it's not just that not being able to sit and concentrate and
0: focus that's like the probably the easiest part of it i would say i suppose it's really important isn't it as well as the challenges and how difficult it can be to have that double bubble of a child and a parent with adhd but also knowing you how i know you it massively informs the way that you support that child. And you're, I mean, while for me, my patience is an issue in terms of um, tantrums and that kind of thing. I have to I have to work so damn hard and it has to be the right day for me to be able to respond in exactly the way I want to respond. Um, and I've, And that's my biggest sadness about ADHD is that no matter how hard I try, sometimes I will just be impatient and I will give the wrong response or the response I don't want to give anyway. Anyway. I think what it also is doing for you with your relationship with your kids is that you have that empathy and you understand where that kind of, whether it's anger or the responses, you know where they're coming from. So does that, has that kind of given you more power, do you think, to be like, this is how I want to respond and I've got to have the tenacity to stick to that?
2: Yeah,
1: but you can be caught on a bad day as well. And, you know, as women with hormones and cycles and working and also feeling overwhelmed like your kids can snap at a moment where you are on the edge as well so I would say that it's just lots of compassion and lots of self-forgiveness and the ability to kind of like it's kind of a raise that day and start again and just know that every day it's like okay let's just get back up let's just keep going because the most important thing for me is supporting her and supporting and giving getting her you know uh, regulated and and feeling you know like she's not doesn't have to be ashamed of her behavior but also managing the rest of the house and the impact that that tantrum can have like you know for example last night we went out and we 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 took the kids out for a bite to eat and it was a disaster it was an unmitigated disaster because my youngest daughter was tired hungry her blood sugar levels were down you know we know that hunger and adhd is like massive she didn't really have any care for the other people in the restaurant we were sat in this very small restaurant and she just kicked off And the other kids were like, do something, like, why don't you discipline her? And I literally had to drag her very tightly and quietly out of the restaurant and just remove her from the situation. And it was only until this morning when things were calmer, she'd slept, she'd had breakfast and my husband had gone to work and I, you know, still fraught from the night before, you know, we had to sit down and she was like, I'm sorry. And my biggest thing is I don't want her to feel shame and I don't want her to, for that to carry on. And and we we scrapped today. I had to change plans. She was meant to do something and I realised she, all she needed to do was stay at home and stay in her pyjamas and she wanted to play Lego and decompress from a busy week. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, but, you know, we have to be very... Um, quick to pivot and we have to change and I had to cancel things and it's life with ADHD that you know I thankfully I I work for myself I work from home and I have this flexibility but there's a lot of people that don't and it's really hard and I just want to just show my compassion and understanding to 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 parents out there that are navigating this because sometimes we have to scrap plans and we have to get rid of things and we have to strip things back um and and just hope that what we're doing is right for the time
0: Mm. it's it's agility isn't it and agility is it comes with privilege the the ability to be agile and, and responsive weirdly i was doing this like. Now I understand it's a coping mechanism, but I was doing this thing called drawbridge uh, parenting, which is where like you do that. So you've had a long week. It's been really hard. You can see that things are about to turn with everybody, you know, my husband, my daughter, everyone. And so you pull up the drawbridge and that's it. And you play Lego and you have some alone time and you do all those things. And I had no idea, obviously, that was because I, I desperately needed that and more so than either my child or my husband did. But actually, it does benefit everyone and you all kind of come aligned again don't you and 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 that sort of work so is that something that you see obviously having a range of ages amongst your children as well is that something that you see evolving over time so yes I would say it's interesting because
1: I think the story from last night taught me that she was tired and she probably didn't want to go out I'd been working all day and just realized you know what I just didn't have the energy to cook so we just went to like little small local restaurant I thought like we just get a few things and then it'll be sorted but in my head I should have thought about her not wanting to sit at a table not wanting to be in a small kind of compact restaurant and actually she just wants probably needed to be at home in her pajamas watching tv and having dinner in front you know in front of the tv and I know from myself how easily I can get overwhelmed and how desperate I have to, you know, I I am to decompress, right? For me to be around people all day, um, doing things all day, I just need to kind of like shut the door and just kind of take my take myself away from anyone and everything. um, Because that's really important for my energy. And so I should have probably seen that, uh, and and that was her way you know she's seven so she doesn't have the the maturity to be able to say i need i need to be alone i need to not be around people and this is all too much and too stimulating so maybe we you know we've learned a valuable lesson um but yeah it is like you say it's agility it's constantly thinking and learning constantly you know learning and so now i understand a little bit more that i have to keep her needs um, almost always in ch- it's, it's like a constant management but I've got three other children and sometimes her needs and managing her you know can't take over that and, and again that's something that you know we're constantly having to, to to work through and it's not easy and I don't have the answers unfortunately
0: I suppose well the answers will change over time as well won't they but I suppose modeling self compassion hopefully particularly if your child you know has the same ADHD that you have and presents very similarly then that's an amazing thing for them to see and to understand and obviously at that age as well seeing someone else modeling behavior is so much easier to learn than it is just being told isn't it I guess yeah yeah i mean she's the most receptive
1: and she's the most similar to me because i love all my kind of like practices you know i'm an eft practitioner and through lockdown i did tapping with her and she loved it she was really receptive sometimes she's seen me just sort of doing the tapping breath work she's seen me do i said you know I'm, i'm gonna go and do a little bit of meditating and she'll sit with me she'll see me sort of doing like stretches yoga moves i want her to see the whole shebang because she can choose what what Empowering, calming tools are good for her. You know, walking on the grass. Barefoot. She sees me doing that, and I'm like, "And she's what she doing?" I said, "I'm just, you know, walking on the grass. It's really calming. It's really grounding." She did it with me. My other kids, who are all teenagers, laugh at me. Think I'm absolutely bonkers. I don't <laughs> care because I'd rather model and let them choose what they want to. You know. Bring in for themselves. I talk a lot to her and the others about making sure we're drinking loads of water, you know, because sometimes you don't realize that we get dysregulated and angry and irritable because we're just dehydrated or making sure that we've got some nuts and we're having a snack or something that's not like carby and sugary because our blood sugar levels is going to crash and then we're going to be even more, you know, angry and irritable later. It's like little nuggets I'm trying to drop where if they want to pick it up, they can, they want to dismiss it. But maybe one day when they're 16 and they something comes up and they go, oh, I remember mum doing that. It's just hoping that they'll choose the path that helps them. My biggest thing as a parent I'm desperate for is to build resilience in them so they can find the tools that work for them, that they have got like their own little bag of, of tricks that they can reach for. They're not reliant on me. I don't want them to, to, to feel that they haven't got that empowerment themselves. I want them to know that they've got things that work for them. So that's what
0: I hope I'm doing. I hope so. The second series of Is It My ADHD is made possible by our sponsor, To Better Days. Chronic pain and migraines are a well-documented comorbidity of ADHD. It's something we often see within our community. It is also an issue that, like ADHD, can be wildly difficult to pin down and find support for. 70% of those who experience chronic pain are women, and on average it takes more than seven years to obtain a diagnosis. Two Better Days is keen to support and empower the chronic pain community, not just with their drug-free pain relief patches for migraines and chronic pain, but by giving those affected a voice and really listening to understand the daily challenges of self-advocacy and effective pain management. Everyone's pain is different and complex, and to Better Days don't overpromise. But their hope is that a patch you can pop in your pocket in case of a flare can ease your day. They have also given listeners of this podcast 10% off all products if you use the code GRACE10. Thank you so much to Better Days. What are some of the ways um, that you mitigate your ADHD when you're needing to deal with someone else's, you know, big challenge? It's all about lifestyle for me. It's a privilege.
1: I've chosen to work for myself. I've created a business that works around my kids. Um, it works around, you know, how, if that, that I can be home, you know, to pick them up from school. I know that a lot of people can't do that, but things like going for a daily walk, you know, I have to go for a walk on my own. It's almost like it's non-negotiable. Things like just choosing to have some downtime, you know, five, 10 minutes of just breathing. I, I do a lot of EFT on myself. I, I swear to God, every single day, I have a moment where I'm overwhelmed. I have a moment where I'm like, oh my God, like I can feel my anxiety brewing. And, and it's just constant self-awareness. It's constantly just every day, like a new slate, like what's going on for me with... My cycle, what's going on for me with my diary? What's going on for me, kids-wise? Like, what do I need to do today? Like, what what can I change? What can I cancel? What can I move? And and it's it's that. Unfortunately, each day is just another day where I'm like, okay, right. How am I gonna help myself? Where's the overwhelm gonna kick in? That was. That's what I would say. Is is. Definitely make sure that you're moving your body. Make sure you're moving your body in whatever way feels good to you. Make sure that you are eating as well as you can and and drinking as much water as you can. Doing things that lift, light you up, uplift you and being around people that aren't going to drain you. Um, that's something that I'm really conscious of now, like just where my energy is. Really recognising what I'm saying yes to and, and how I can say no more, I would say. Boundaries... you know knowing what it's gonna drain me and and how I can put those boundaries in place yeah it's just constant checking and resetting and realigning and that's exhausting in itself but you know with ADHD life can be exhausting and so if I'm trying really hard to minimize the things that are going to drain me even more but some some days don't it doesn't happen. Some days just go to shit.
0: <laughs> and you have to accept that and move on to the next day, don't you? Yeah, completely. Yes. I, I suppose the other thing I'm wondering about is like before I was diagnosed and I just knew that I had some anxiety, uh, you know, through the, through the various years. And I was quite concerned about the line between projecting that on any children I had versus spotting it in other children, and then supporting them. Obviously, then having a condition that you know that could be genetic. How how do you kind of, I suppose, differentiate between checking yourself on on projecting and actually seeing it and knowing it, especially when, you know, obviously one daughter is very similar presentation to you and then the other maybe not so much?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I mean, I've now been able to sort of see in my family history where ADHD has shown up, you know, almost to like my great grand parents Um, and I've seen how mental health challenges and it's been actually quite dire in my family I remember my mum my mum's got ADHD and she's not diagnosed but 100% she's got ADHD perhaps also on my dad's side a little bit so I can I see how it showed up in my childhood and I try really hard to to not do certain things that, that happened in my family. Um, but as we know, sp- breaking family cycles is quite hard. I'm constantly like, am I projecting? Am I projecting what I don't want to my children to experience am i being overly sensitive you know that's another thing my husband is is saying to me you know you work in this industry you're constantly immersed in i read about it i'm doing workshops on it i'm learning about it i have to take a step back sometimes because sometimes it can be too encompassing you know especially both of us we've got podcasts and we talk about it a lot but i I also know that when you have just had a diagnosis it's it's the answer to so many questions and we need that validation so actually that hyper focus we go into it and we throw ourselves in and we want to read the books we want to listen to the podcast we want to know it all and i think that's really healthy and normal but I think sometimes it, it's good to, to maybe just kind of separate yourself from that. And, and sometimes you can just feel anxious and overwhelmed and it might not just be, it might not be the ADHD. Um, things might just happen and, and it, you don't have to kind of link it back to, to all of that. But it's also really good to have that knowledge of, of knowing that, okay, that, that might trigger me, that situation might be too much more for me. So it is good to have all that awareness, that self-awareness. I try really hard to not project it too much on my kids, but they know full well that I'll, I'll sort of say something, and and I'll say, well did you find it hard to sit still for that lesson? Or or I'm like, if you're not interested in that subject, don't worry. Just focus on what you're good at. Like all these little things, these nuggets, because I just want to drop them in to help them. It is a hard, it is really hard to sit still. And it is really hard for you to, to not move and tap your feet and don't listen to the teachers because maybe they don't understand. And I don't know if, you know, if there's a bit of a rebellion, rebellious side of me as well that's just like... You don't need to conform. You don't need to. You don't need to listen to that teacher that clearly doesn't understand neurodiversity. So, yeah, I think it's. I think it's okay to to let that ADHD come out. Let that part of you that has been suppressed, and has been conditioned, and has been told that there's something wrong with you, to actually come out and, and guide your children in the way that you probably needed to be guided when you were younger.
0: I think you've touched on something there as well that I wanted to to talk to you about, which is sort of by having a child, you're returning to a lot of the childhood spaces that you may have experienced trauma as someone with ADHD. So I've found before I was diagnosed, I didn't really know what it was about. I thought it was just kind of anxiety triggers, but I have found some of the school settings incredibly difficult. I found some of the nursery settings even worse because I know that those it's taking me straight back to those experiences and it's like it's almost like immersion therapy. So in some ways it's been amazing because it's it's helped me overcome some of those triggers. But in other ways, oh my goodness, like the sitting still in an assembly, even just being in the room with all the kids I find really difficult sometimes. The noise, the the sort of overwhelming smells even, like the food smells like it's a lot. I think that's been like that's been one of apart from the sort of patient story and that everyday kind of narrative of of trying to be the best parent you can be, it's also the situations that you find yourselves in. Oh my God, um, theme parks. Hate them. (laughs) I absolutely hate them. They're like an absolute nightmare for someone with ADHD, I think. And yet, obviously, I have pushed myself, very much guided as well by my husband in a really supportive way. But I've pushed myself to go into those settings. There are some that I just know that it will not be a nice experience for her if if I'm the one who takes her. So let's just not even go there. But I have tried to push myself and push myself and then realising actually... My daughter who is not diagnosed and and we're not looking into that for her at all at the moment, but there are still situations that children struggle in regardless of their neurotype in, you know, quote marks. I suppose I'm asking really, do you find that some of the same situations that you find incredibly challenging your kids do? And then there's there's that quandary of like, do I take them out of that situation because I know that's what I wanted or will that immersion be helpful for them in the long term?
1: Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with you on on all of that. And I definitely remember just sitting there. I mean, I've got kids who come home, I've got one daughter, again, she's not diagnosed. It's not, there's traits there, but it's not something I'm exploring at the moment. She comes home and she's literally got writing all over her hands. Her tights are completely ripped. And I think... I could shout at her and tell her not to do that. And I actually think she's doing that, but it's like a, she's stemming, you know, she's fidgeting because it's her way of concentrating. You know, she has to have background music on and, you know, um, something playing in the background when she's doing her homework and actually if that's the way she wants to work that's fine and, and I just remember just struggling so much to do my homework struggling so much to be able to sit and concentrate in class and just looking out the window just being like I've not learned a thing that whole the whole lesson because I was looking out the window I was, or I was focusing on the teacher's hair or her weird shoe or the most terrible smell and I'm a grown woman and I took my daughter for a walk with the dog and she had a friend and the friend had this annoying habit I'm not even going to go into. To it and I was like I can't walk next to this child because of her this annoying habit <laughs> that she's doing and I was like I'm a bad human being because all I can hear and see is this habit so I'm much better working on my own I'm much better at working in my office you know doing what I do um but that's not helpful for a kid in a class that has has got the same issues and, and sensory issues and can't distract themselves from away from that so I just want to say that it's hard it's really hard it's and and maybe now as we're understanding neurodiversity more we're understanding and sensory issues more that hopefully you know teachers and schools and parents and people can just be a little bit more understanding
0: i think the th- the, the thing is though sometimes so like if if my kid is saying i really don't want to go to school Today, or, you know, and I'm overtired and I'm this and the other. And it's again, it's not an ADHD thing. This is every child will go through that moment probably at some point. And I feel like because of my self awareness of what I need. I find it really difficult to know. My instinct is just keep her home. Just keep her home. It's fine. It's not going to harm her. It's going to give her that space. But on the other hand, I also know that I have shied away from so many situations where I haven't felt safe. And actually, when I've had to just get into them, it's been like the most brilliant thing because it's shown me actually these fears are unfounded and all that kind of thing. So it's that, that I find a difficult thing of, of teaching any kind of resilience when you maybe don't feel very resilient yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, very much so. And actually, with our ADHD brains and the
1: way we're wired, we're actually ha- we're more prone to a negativity bias. You know, it's just what we what we have. Our you know imposter syndrome and ADHD is massive, and and it's it's we have to have that acknowledgement and that self awareness to be like, okay, this is how I'm wired to to naturally find the 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 bad, the negative, the the fear, the criticism. But actually, where's the evidence? And like you said, you know, when we overcome the fear and we do the things we, we we push ourselves you know like when I started my podcast very easily I could have been like well I'm not a podcaster like who am I who's going to listen to me what is the point I'm just not going to do this it's embarrassing and and there's everyone's going to judge me and these were all the things that were coming up for me but something pushed me I was like you know what this is this is more important I'm going to do this and actually I'm so glad that I did. And actually there is this neuro neuroscientific explanation that we are more you know, more likely to have um, this sort of negativity bias. So just be aware of it and be like, actually, we also were talking about like, never worry alone, who like, who's our cheerleader? Who have we got in our corner that we can kind of offload and say, right, these are all the weird fears that I've got. These are all the, the weird anxieties. My husband's that person. And he'll go. Well, that's really unlikely to happen. And why are you thinking that? And that person is not going to think that of you. But we we have to just have these things in place. And and I think it's healthy to
0: recognise it. And that's the that's what we need to impart to children with ADHD as well. Is like become that person for them or find that person for them and make sure that those, you know, they're surrounded by those people at their schools and their whatever hobbies or whatever, their friends, families, like, it's just a lot, isn't it? But I think like, because obviously if you've had any kind of childhood trauma, which with ADHD, I think is fairly unavoidable, it's so easy, I think, to be like, well, I'm just going to wrap my kid up, protect them from everything, where we know that's actually probably just as harmful. So I try and go through childhood experiences and think, would it have helped if my mum had taken me out of that situation? Do you know what I mean? Would it have helped if I had like got my own way and not gone to school that day or whatever? And trying to see that there's a way through. That is better and go to a theme park uh, and suffer it because you know it's good for everyone else oh my gosh oh, i don't
1: know about that there's certain things that we we should do and you know what a theme park if you've got someone else to take them ta- let them yeah. take them I, I've, <laughs> I've happily got through nearly 17 years of parenting and i've probably been to one or two theme parks in that 17 years so i'm fine with that and do you know what else i don't like i don't like water parks oh my god Gross. no Unhygienic. I don't want to come back with gastroenteritis and baroucas. <laughs> and so I let other people do that. But then I'm really happy to do muddy dog walks. I'm really happy to go out in the rain, get wet. I don't care if my hair gets frizzy, things like that. I don't care if they come back and we're all covered in mud. Like I'll put on the wash. And some parents don't like that. They prefer to sit in a soft play, which for me is like sensory overload, nightmare, horrificness. But I will do all the outdoor activity. So you don't have to be it all and do it all. You don't have to be like parent of the year. Like just, just do what feels good to you and just let other people do the other stuff that you don't like. And having podcasts like this, where people can listen to conversations and just be like, okay, I'm not, I'm not that weird. It's not that bizarre that I behave like this or do this or don't like going to theme parks or, you know, all
0: all these things. So yeah, don't worry alone. So true. And that's such a lovely note to end on. Thank you so much, Kate. And I wish you guys all the best with it all. Um, I think it must be amazing as someone who's grown up having ADHD to have a parent who is so self-aware to put those tools in place with them and make it a collaborative effort. I think that's just such a beautiful and lucky situation to find yourselves in. And yeah, thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this chat we now turn to an expert. Now, I feel very lucky to welcome Dr. Jo Steer to the podcast. She is a chartered clinical psychologist working with children in Surrey and the author of Understanding ADHD in Girls and Women, which has become my Bible. Is it my ADHD when I am triggered by a child's tantrum? okay so we know that adhd
2: has a genetic element to it so it could well be that the parent as well as the child have adhd saying that tantrums are really normal part of child development and so actually all children will will have tantrums especially in their younger years as part of growing up and learning about independence and if you're a parent of a child who's having a tantrum whether they have adhd or not if you as a parent have adhd this potentially is is something that can be quite difficult to manage um, because parenting with ADHD does really present with extra challenges and parenting is a really complicated task it's a complex um, challenge on a daily basis as you as you know um, and it requires lots of patience uh, attention planning organizing and problem solving and these are all tasks that we know are super hard if you have ADHD so During a tantrum, what do we expect parents to do? Well, we expect them to inhibit their own immediate response, which might be to laugh, actually. Often tantrums can be quite funny or even shout or tell their their child off. It might be that we expect parents not to do that and to take a step back and have a think about what's going on and what's the best way to respond. Now, if you've got ADHD, you're much more likely to respond impulsively and to that tantrum which so it's harder to inhibit yourself and often we expect parents to acknowledge those emotions in their child and soak them up a bit themselves contain them help them calm down and regulate their own feelings and if you're struggling to remain calm and regulate your own feelings it's really hard to do that with your child um so it is tricky i think managing parenting with adhd at the same time definitely
0: thank you so much for joining me and this community of amazing people we'd love it if you could follow is it my adhd wherever you get your podcast from and now i'd love to hear from you what other perspectives would you like to see explored in future episodes find me on instagram at is it my adhd to continue the conversation